Happy Easter. Uh, the ancient tradition uh, for the church and greeting during Easter time is, is fourfold. So the person begins, he is risen, and they respond, he is truly risen. And then the person, the first one says, alleluia, and then the people respond, alleluia again. So you ready to try that? He is risen. Alleluia. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, it's so great to be with you all today. Um, I'm so honored to be here. My name is Father Greg Peterson. I am a priest from the Archdiocese of Denver, and I'm at a parish called Our Lady of the Valley, about an hour north of Denver, and I'm on sabbatical for six months uh, for my parish, and I had the opportunity to go anywhere in the entire world for Holy Week uh, that I wanted to go, and I said, you know what, I'd love to go visit Father Matthias and to see St. Patrick's and all the great things that they're doing out there and the encounter ministry and everything, and so it's a great honor to be here, and I was super honored that Father Matthias asked you to preach on, on, on Easter Sunday morning. So this is incredible. This is the greatest feast day of the church. This is the moment. Like this is the feast day of feast days. This is your day. Um, this is the day of the resurrection. We are resurrection people and what a joy and glory it is. So um, I, uh, I, I mentioned though too, I've, I've only preached a couple of times in the last four months. So, um, so extend some extra grace to me though. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, let's see, just real quick. I had a verse come to my mind this morning, and then I uh, opened my Bible, and it, or I was looking for it, and my Bible mark was already there, so I figured it must be for us. And so it just reminds us that those of us who are, have been baptized into Christ, who received the Lord Jesus, um, are indeed already risen. They have this power of resurrection life. So this is from Romans chapter 6, the center of Romans. Um, it says, um, how can we who have died, okay, do we know... Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, meaning baptism, that we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And that is the great joy and the glory of this morning. Last night was Easter Vigil, one of the most important nights of the whole year, really the pinnacle. And we had all these people getting baptized last night. It was amazing and glorious. And it reminds us of, of how we've been united to Jesus in his death and resurrection. All right, well, let's look at the scriptures that we had for um, today. John's Gospel, chapter 20. You can turn there if you want, if you have your Bible. Uh, we'll just spend a little bit of time there and then look at the first reading. It says, on the first day of the week. Now, that's important because the Sabbath, Saturday, was the day of worship in the Old Testament. But on the first day of the week, meaning the Sunday. So it's just now the day we worship as Christians because the new beginning, the new creation. So on the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning. And while it was still dark and saw the stone removed from the tomb, so she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. So we have this incredible picture of Mary Magdalene. Uh, who is really the, the apostle to the apostles, is what she's known as. The apostle is one who are sent. And so she goes early in the morning, and she sees the empty tomb. And she then goes running to the apostles. And you now have this beautiful picture of St. Mary Magdalene here uh, in the sanctuary outside of the empty tomb. And she's there, she's loving, she's adoring uh, the Lord, and it's just such a beautiful thing, and it's wonderful. And she goes, and she goes first to Peter, our very first pope, right? She goes to the St. Peter and St. John, the other, the other disciples, and they go running to the tomb. And, um, uh, and you know, the, the Bible is so great because it's so accurate and there's so many different things. It even says that John got there first. Well, John was younger. It makes sense that he would run faster <laughs> than Peter. 
And, um, and so anyway, but John was waiting and then Peter got there and he said, okay, I'll wait for him. And then Peter goes in and he goes into the tomb and he says, yeah, he's not here. You're right. And he saw the, the cloths were there, the burial clothes, you know, and that would be, you know, it would be pounds, like lots and lots of pounds, maybe up to a hundred pounds, but somewhere around there of all this burial garments on, on the deceased, but they were all just there. And it says, then, then the other disciple also went in the one who had arrived at the tomb first and he saw and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. That he had to rise from the dead. So this is incredible. So they're there and they're seeing that, that he is, is, is gone. And they're waiting to see him. And we'll hear the rest of the week in the, in the liturgy, all the readings of all these resurrection accounts. Now, this is really exciting for me because part of my travels, I got to spend some time in Costa Rica, I spent some time in France. I got to spend about a month in the Holy Land um, praying. And there's many, many places in the Holy Land. I hope you all get to go. Um, and I know you always hear about all kinds of crazy tragedies and st- or like scary stuff over there, but it really is pretty safe. Even when I was there, I, I happened to walk through a giant protest they were doing with the train station. And it was okay. The people were pretty friendly. It wasn't, they were just like, no, you have to take another bus over there. And so, so anyway, so go, even if, it, don't be intimidated. And, um, and there's so many great places to play. I got to uh, or pray. I got to say mass um, at the nativity, at the manger scene where Jesus was born. Um, I got to swim in the Sea of Galilee. I, I mean, the Mount Tabor, um, uh, Magdala. I got to spend two days there at Magdala. I mean, just many, many places. And so, but, but obviously, the most important place in all the Holy Land is a, is a church called the Holy Sepulchre. And that's where um, we have the, the place where Jesus was crucified. So the, the, the um, cliff, the rock there, Gal, uh, Golgotha, where he was crucified and died, where he was taken down. There's a big rock slab where his body was prepared. And then also the tomb was very, very nearby. And, um, and so all of that is in one giant church. It's in one big building. You can go and visit it. And over here on the section where the empty tomb is, is a beautiful little chapel. And it's, it's smaller than probably the sanctuary space. And people line up. I mean, they're just... Oh goodness, they are lined up for hours and hours just to, just to go in there for like a second and then they come out, you know, because you got to keep it going. But, um, but I had the opportunity two times, and you can do this also, that you can do an overnight in the Holy Sepulchre. And so they, they lock the doors at 7 p.m. and then they open them again at 4 a.m. When, when the church opens. And so you get to be in there all night praying. I got to do that twice. That's actually how I started my Lent. So going into Ash Wednesday, um, which is also the anniversary of my conversion day this year, I got to, to be in the, the, in the Holy Sepulchre. And so there's this beautiful section here. So they have um, a little I, 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 chapel, I guess is the best word, but kind of this little antechamber with all this marble and it's beautiful and candles and things. And, and, and usually there's just about 10 people in there in the whole sepulchre um, praying with us. But then you go even farther in and I had to get on my hands and knees because I, I couldn't even get, get under there. But, and then there's a small little um, altar and a uh, place to say mass and there's really only room for maybe three or four people kneeling and that's about it and and that is the place that's 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 over the tomb that's the place that the tomb is and i got to spend uh, many many hours there praying and it's a beautiful place to pray it's a wonderful place i mean just so many graces and it just had this calming i mean everyone's just so in the deep silence and just praying and the lord's ministering to them and, um, and it was wonderful. And again, I got to do that twice in just many, many hours. I even got to say mass in there. It was, just, it was fantastic. And so, um, but do you know what the best thing about that place is? Is that Jesus' body is not there. The tomb is empty, my friends. The tomb is empty because Jesus is risen from the dead. 
and he is truly present. And he said it would be better for you, his disciples, if he actually rose from the dead and ascended into heaven because then he would send the Holy Spirit. He says, better for you if the Holy Spirit comes because now the Holy Spirit can be with you and in you all over the world, right? Now again, it's great to go to Israel. I hope you do, but you don't have to go to Israel to be close to Jesus. You don't have to be close to him to hear his voice. You don't have to be there in some other place. It's right here. And you're in the presence of the King of Kings, Jesus truly present in the Eucharist. So you are actually closer to the resurrected Jesus in his body than I was in that tomb in Israel. So he is here. He is risen. He is alive. And the good news about him being alive is that means he is able to still love you. If he was dead, his love would have ended. But he is risen and he is alive and he will never die ever, ever again. And that means his love for you will never, ever die. It will be eternal. And the great news, again, about the resurrection, why is this so important, is because it proved that the cross actually worked. That the cross actually worked. That all that suffering, all that death, all that punishment, taking the curse, even the, you know, one of the curses of Adam and Eve was the thorns of the ground, right? He's taking the curse upon himself. So I'll even wear it as a crown. I'll take the curse of all of you, all of your sin, everything you've done wrong, everything that's been done, done wrong to you, everything that's wrong with the world, I'll put it upon myself. And I will take it to death and to hell where it belongs. But I will leave it there. And I will triumph. And I will rise again. And I will show that death has no power over me. Sin has no power over me. And that anyone who unites themselves to Jesus can have that same healing power and resurrection power. And that's the good news. That's what we celebrate this morning. So it is is a great, great day. This is the feast day of feast days. And that's even why every single Sunday, that's why we gather every single Sunday is because it's like, today's the day. Today's the day he rose from the dead. Let's go to Mass. And so, so that's why we do that. All right. Um, let's also look at the first reading here. The first reading. Um, again, we have Peter, our first pope. Again, this is really important. So Peter proceeded to speak and say, said to the people, and he tells them, and he says, You know what has happened all over Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Right? So that's what happened to Jesus, Christ. And if we are Catholic Christians, we're little Christs, Christians, then we are anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. And I know that's especially what you're doing here at St. Patrick's. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things. And God raised him on the third day, and he ate and drank with us, and he commissioned us to preach and to testify that he is the one appointed by God. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins through his name. And that is our mission. First, we receive from the Lord, and then our mission is to testify. We heard it from Mary Magdalene. She saw the empty tomb. She encountered it. She goes and she runs and tells everyone she can. You and I, Peter is saying, hey, he he rose. He showed himself to us. And now our our commission is to, to testify to everyone that we can. And I can testify in multiple ways. Now, for myself, again, I grew up in Colorado. I, I was not raised Catholic. In fact, today is my 21st anniversary of being Catholic. So, praise God. And I know there's many other converts here. And, and we did, again, we had all the, brought in people all the church last night. But you know what? Even if you come from a Catholic family, you were not born Catholic. <laughs> you were born pagan. <laughs> you were born without hope. But God baptized you and God brought you into his kingdom. And so all of you 
are converts to the faith, just like the apostles, right? And so you need to bear witness. And so, but for me, I wasn't raised Catholic. I was raised kind of a non-practicing Methodist. I was just a heavy metal guitar playing shred guy that had long hair and was rocking and rolling. And, and, um, and I, I mean, I got involved in youth group. I had a good youth group and stuff like that, but I didn't really know Jesus. I didn't really, really, wasn't really serving him. He wasn't the Lord of my life. And then even in college, I got even further away and just, you know, kind of stopped going to church and just did the, the foolish college stuff. And, um, but my last semester of college, I realized, man, that life is just not going well. The emptiness without Christ, the emptiness, the, the sadness, the, the desolation, the depression, all the stuff, nothing in this earth satisfies except him. And so I got to that place and I said, okay, I'm willing to give God a try again. And, um, and praise God, I, I got to go to one of the very first focused Bible studies, a Catholic Bible study um, that was happening back in the 1900s, back in 1999. And um, <laughs> it's right at the end there. And I was four years old, and um, <laughs> and um, and I got to be in there. And I was in a, a Protestant Bible study too, and they were showing the reliability of the New Testament. We were studying the history of it, the documents of it, that we can trust this document that Jesus did these things, He said these things. These are reliable, and um, these all happened. So I've seen that intellectually and seen, okay, there's there's great evidence for this. But then in the Catholic Bible study, I was beginning to see how does the Old Testament and the New Testament work together, and I began to see how does how does what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden and the tree and the fruit and the eating that created sin and the shame and the darkness, how did Jesus undo that with the tree of the cross and the eating of the fruit and the Eucharist and, and him undoing everything? And I saw that how that related to me and to my sin. And I had a huge experience. Not only was I reading about the resurrected Jesus, but on February 22nd, 1999, the Lord spoke to me and I had a massive conversion. He told me three things. He said, Jesus is the one true God, the Bible is true, and that I at that moment was not headed to heaven because of my sin, but I could if I gave my entire life over to him. And that was just filled me with that voice and that presence, and it was like just this incredible love, the incredible holiness of God, and in that moment was the greatest moment of my life. I'm grateful for being ordained, I'm grateful for coming to the Catholic Church, but that was the moment that I encountered the resurrection, resurrected Lord. And so I can testify to you, he is alive, and he loves you. And no matter how far you are from him or how far you've been from him or how close you are to him, he loves you. And he is alive and he is true. And that's the great, great news. And at the very beginning of his ministry, he proclaimed one of the first things he did was he quoted Isaiah chapter 61. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. And what's the difference between captives and prisoners? Captives are those that were innocent, but something bad happened to them, and now they're bound. And prisoners, well, they did something wrong, and now they're receiving the punishment for it. And brothers and sisters, so many of us that maybe aren't giving our whole life to God, or maybe, you've, maybe you haven't been to church in a year, it's usually one of those two things that prevents us from coming closer to God. That maybe something happened to us along the way and we got discouraged or we got mad or maybe we were even blaming God or, or something like that. Or maybe it's something that you did. Maybe you did something, whether a long time ago or, or recently. Or maybe you just keep doing things over and over and you think that God couldn't possibly love you. And sometimes we even mix those up. Sometimes maybe you're, you're blaming everybody else, but well, maybe you need to look inside first. Or maybe you've been blaming yourself for something all these years, but it actually wasn't your fault. But regardless, whether you're a captive or a prisoner or a bit of both, Jesus came to release. He said, I came to release the captives and to set the prisoners free. And that's what the resurrection is all about. His resurrection power. 
because he loves you and he wants to set you free and he's already paid the price. He's already suffered and died for all you've ever done, anything that's ever separated you from him, all the ugly stuff, whatever, all the pain, he took it on himself and he brought it down to the grave where it belongs and he's risen again. He says, I love you and I want you to be united to me. And that's the great joy and the mercy of Easter. And that's why it's such a great pleasure to be here with you today too. Because if, if nothing else, I just invite you to be connected to this parish. This is such a great parish. This is such an exciting place to be and, and encounter ministries and everything that's happening here. And so if, if you live in this area, you have an incredible opportunity to be connected to that love. Or maybe when I'm even talking about captives or prisoners, maybe you still feel that way, even if you've been to church for a while. Learn about the, you know, come receive that inner healing or come receive that outpouring of the Holy Spirit or, or just be connected here so that you can walk in the freedom and the resurrected life that Jesus came to give you. That's what this is all about. So again, it's my great honor to be with you and to pray with you and to celebrate this in the most important day of the year. But really, every day is Easter for a Christian. So that is the good news. So let's do this greeting again. He is risen. He is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Amen.